John chapter 15. We're looking at verses 26 through chapter 16, verse 4 here. And in this message, we want to return to John and his final instructions to the disciples before they entered into the Garden of, of Gethsemane. In that night, Jesus would be betrayed by Judas, would be arrested, would be tried before the Sanhedrin in the morning, and then taken to appear before Pilate, at which time then he would be turned over to the Romans to be crucified. And so these instructions then were designed to prepare the disciples for that which was to come. They didn't understand it. I don't think they had any idea what was going to happen to their their Lord that very evening. So the focus here of this portion of Christ's final instructions is to reveal that the disciples and all who follow Christ from this point on until the return of Jesus Christ would be subject to persecution because of their relationship to Him. Whatever persecution believers suffer is not due to them at all. It is due to their relationship to Jesus and they hate the world hates Jesus. They, it hates God and it hates Jesus. Since they can't get a hold of Jesus, they're going to go after those who are the followers of Jesus Christ. And the reason for the world's hatred of Christ and His own is that believers live contrary to the world. We are strangers and aliens. We live in the world, but we're not of the world. Our loyalty is to a heavenly authority. Jesus is our Lord and Master. He's our King of Kings. We don't submit to an earthly one. Except when we are instructed to do so by our heavenly one. Obey those who have the rule over you and submit yourselves to them. But we we can't take that beyond what it is because when those those rulers try to tell us that we are not to to be loyal to our heavenly authority, then we have a problem. The world loves conformity, but it will not tolerate those who are instructed not to be conformed to the world. As Paul said there in Romans chapter 12, Be not conformed to this world, but be ye transformed by the renewing of your hearts. Why? Well, the answer is God uh, made it clear in His Word that Satan is the God of this world. He usurped dominion. And when when God created Adam he t- and Eve, He said, be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth and take dominion over the work of my hands. When Satan got Adam and Eve to fall, that dominion shifted to Satan. So when God gives Noah instructions, because Noah is really kind of the new Adam, see? Knowing his family who survived the flood. 
He, he told them, be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth, but he did not say anything about dominion. <laughs> There's no dominion instruction. Why? Because Satan is the god of this world. According to Second Corinthians chapter 4, verse 4, he is the prince of the power of the air, the spirit who energizes the children of disobedience. Ephesians chapter 2, verse 2, he's a liar, he's a deceiver. According to John chapter 4, verse 44, the world lies under the power of his corruptive spells. 1 John chapter 5, verse 19. And thus the Spirit of truth will make it possible for Christ's own to navigate the snares and the pitfalls that have taken all others captive to do Satan's will, according to 2 Timothy chapter 2 and verse 26. And that's what we want to look at. The Spirit of Truth. To counter Satan's plan, see, the Father sent the Holy Spirit. The, he's called here the Helper. The Helper in, G, in Christ's name, that is under Christ's authority. The Lord Jesus Christ, the Lord, has authorized the Holy Spirit of God to be, his, uh, to be the Helper. One called alongside, they render assistance. He was first introduced in the upper room discourse back in the 14th chapter in verses 16 and 26 when he the spirit of truth has come so the spirit he's called here the spirit of truth and so he's introduced back into the conversation there in verse 26 of this chapter verse chapter 15 where then he is called the spirit of truth and he proceeds from the Father. So, when Jesus ascended to the Father's right hand, he gave the Spirit to the disciples at Pentecost. So we read there in Acts chapter 2, verse 33. They wonder, what's going on here? And Peter says, this is that which was spoken by the prophet. Uh, and he, there he cites first there from Joel. And then he says, then he goes into detail about it, and he says, this is, this is the one that uh, when Jesus ascended to the right hand of the Father, he shed forth this which you now see and hear. There according to Acts 2.33. The Spirit then enables believers to bear witness to Jesus in his absence. This witness to Christ then creates animosity in the world. The... I, I saw a fellow talk about that there the other day I, uh, on a podcast. And he said, every religion in the world is accepted by the world, but one, and that's Christianity, and they want no part of it. Or they want to uh, corrupt it so that they can accept it, which they have done in many cases, sadly. And the reason is because... The witness of Christ creates this animosity. Just as the person of Jesus did. Christ doesn't need to be here. You just need to be here. <laughs> and the spirit of truth in you needs to be here. And this spirit of truth then will enable you as a true believer to endure and to persevere to the end. And I really believe this is the key that identifies the true believers. They that endure to the end shall be saved. 
Matthew chapter 24, verse 13. So let's look at this. So I want to, first of all, examine the world and the Jews. In John chapter 15, verses 18 through 25, which is in the section we, that we covered before, it deals with the cause of the persecution of the disciples. What they should expect from the world. If the world hates you, and uh, it's not the if here is not if then and they might they might not no if and they will it is if and they will hate you you know that they hated me before they hated you I'm the cause of their hatred of you that's really what he's saying and you can be certain that because you are not of the world you will be hated because the world loves its own. Jesus said, I have chosen you out of the world. Therefore, the world hates you. Verse 19. When he left them, he wanted them to remember this information. He calls it the word. This, the word. That's information. That's verse number 20. So who and what was the world that Jesus was warning about? We, we previously covered that, but I want to refresh your memory. World, generally in Scripture, is used to refer to, a temporal, to the temporal realm. The created order. The earth, if you please. And this is to be distinguished from the unseen spiritual realm. There is an unseen spiritual realm. However, the Greek word translated world, cosmos, here specifically describes an apt and harmonious arrangement or constitution, an order or a government of, in, of the inhabitants of the earth. The world. Cosmos. We use, we use that word cosmetics. And what, what, what's cosmetics? Cosmetics are those things that a woman takes to dress up her face. To put it into an orderly arrangement, so to speak. Uh, cosmos. The cosmos. So, the problem here is that mankind has fallen and due to the fallen spiritual condition of the earth's inhabitants world then is now characterized as ungodly alienated from God and hostile to Christ and his cause so the question then is why would anyone who professes to belong to Jesus Christ desire friendship with the world and yet we have Christians that do. I don't understand this. But James says very plainly there in James chapter 4 and verse 4, Do you not know that friendship with the world is enmity with God? Therefore, whoever wishes to be a friend of the world makes himself the enemy of God. The world and God are enemies. So if you're going to be a friend of God, you're going to be an enemy of the world. And if you're going to be an enemy of the world, you're going to become an enemy of God. If you're going to be a friend of the world, you're going to be an enemy of God. Get that status streak. 
Sadly, modern Christians are enemies of God without re often realizing that they are. Or maybe they do and just don't care. The things of the world must not capture our love and loyalty. That belongs to Jesus. So we're told there in 1 John chapter 2, verses 15 to 17, do not love the world. If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. For all that is in the world, the lust, the desires of the flesh, the lusts of the flesh, I keep wanting to quote King James, the, the desires of the world and the, the world is passing away along with its desires, but whosoever does the will of God abides forever. So second here, perhaps, others hope to pre preserve themselves from the hatred of the world by a little compromise. We see that with the Hebrews. Paul writes to the Hebrews to warn them, you can't compromise with the world in order to maintain friendship or maintain a good relationship. Again, Jesus doesn't allow for that position either. He says He chose His own out of the world, transforming them through the new birth. Thus the world does not know them. That's an important understanding. We need to understand what he means by that. The world does not know them because it did not know the Savior. No. No is a relational term. They don't have a relationship with you. You're a stranger to them. You're, 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 you're foreign. Jesus came and they did not have a relationship with Jesus either. He was foreign to them. They didn't know Him. In the meantime, true believers are the servants of Christ. And we are then to live by faith and faithfully serve Him. This is what chapter, verse number 20 says. Chapter 15, 20. We're, we're, we're to do, we're to faithfully serve Him as we wait for His revealing. So then 1 John chapter 3, verse 1 says, When He appears, we shall be like Him. Because we shall see Him as He is. And everyone who has this hope in Him purifies Himself as He is pure. Or in uh, 1 John chapter 4 and verse 4, You are from God and have overcome them. For He who is in you is greater than He who is in the world. Or... 1 John chapter 5, verses four, uh, uh, verse 5. Everyone who has been born of God overcomes the world. And this is the victory that overcomes the world. This is 5, 4, and 5. Whoever, who, uh, everyone who has been born of God overcomes the world. And this is the victory that has overcome the world, even our faith. Who is it that overcomes the world? except the one who believes that Jesus is the Son of God. You believe Jesus is the Son of God? Then you will overcome the world. Note here, though, how the disciples would distinguish between those of the world and 
those who would belong to Christ. So he, he tells us here in verse 20, number 20 of John 15, John 15, 20. If they persecuted me, and what you have here is an ellipsis. There is information that is understood but not stated. So he says, if you, if they persecuted me, and then what's left out there is because they rejected my word. They persecuted Jesus because they rejected his word. And you can see that in the next phrase, uh, which I'll show you in a second there. So he says, so he's giving an if situation. If then, if they persecuted me, then they will do it to you too. Because they're going to reject your word. Because you're just going to tell them my word, see. I can't, I'm, my job is to preach Christ and preach his word. So they persecuted Jesus because he preached, because he gave the word to them. They're going to persecute me for the same reason. And that's what you see in this, in the next phrase. If they kept my word, they will keep yours also. How do you, how do we know who is really belongs to God and who is, does not? If we preach the, the truth to them and they receive it, it is because they are of God. If they, if you preach the truth to them and they reject it, and they usually reject it by hostility and persecution, then you know they are not of God. That's how you know. So it's not about you. Here's an important truth. If you are persecuted, understand it is not about you. Our tendency is to want to adjust and say, what do I need to do to make them like me? Nothing. Because it isn't about you. It's about Jesus. Didn't like Jesus and they're going to not like Jesus in you. That's the point. If you're a servant... Of Christ, you're acting in His name, that is, in His authority. And they don't know Jesus, and therefore they're not going to know you either. That's verse 21. Now, the next thing is, we need to understand who the they are. He keeps talking about they, they, they. Notice that how many times there in that passage? Who are the they that Jesus is specifically referencing? You say, well, it's the world. Yeah, because they're, they're definitely identified with the world. But there's a specific group of people. The Jews. How do I know this? Because Jesus makes it clear in this passage. The Jews rejected Jesus. They're the ones who are going to arrest him and they're the ones that are going to give him over to the Romans to, to uh, execute him. And they rejected his... It's because they rejected his teaching. And even... And here's the, here's the interesting part. When he came, his word was backed up by works that nobody else did. They could not argue with his works with his uh, miracles and his works. But they rejected his word. 
so they wouldn't accept his works either. It was his words that the Jews hated because, and here's the end, here's the reason, it exposed their false religion. Judaism today, modern Judaism is a false religion. You say, well, it's not. The Jews, they're just following the Old Testament. They're just Old Testament people. They were, they were the seed of Abraham and they're Old Testament. No, they're not. They are not. Why? And here's the, here's the point, and, that, and this is what is involved here. When Jesus said, if they, they, they rejected my word, therefore they are guilty of sin. Verse 22 there. me find it here look at verse 22 if I had not come and spoken to them they would not have been guilty of sin what is the sin that they were guilty of it's not a general reference here it's specific they were guilty of something and Jesus' words exposed what they were guilty of. And coming to them, and speaking to them, Jesus exposed what was the controlling thing in their, in their uh, religion. And it is the rejection of His gracious revelation. When the Jews came back, let me just throw this in there. When the Jews came back from Babylon, they brought with them a mixture of Old Testament truth and heathen idolatry without images anymore. They got rid of the images, but now they have a Kabbalistic religion, supernatural Kabbalistic religion, that's expressed in the Talmud. They don't believe the Old Testament scriptures. They believe the Talmud. Remember, Jesus said, Jesus made it clear to them, you have rejected the word of God through your traditions. The te- their, their application of the Talmud to their lives. So, this, this sin of rejecting God's gracious revelation, plunged them into the, the deepest of spiritual darkness. So we read there, this is the judgment that light, that's Jesus, has come into the world and the people, that's the Jews, love darkness rather than light because their works were evil. For anyone who does wicked things hates the light and does not come to the light lest his works should be exposed. That's for John chapter 3, verses 19 and 20. So why then did they reject Jesus, or, or God's revelation to them? What was the root of their evil? It was their rebellion against God and their fathers. All you have to do is go back to the Old Testament and read the prophets, and read what God said to them over and over again. Why do you reject me? Why do you want to follow the, 
the gods of the heathen that are round about you. Why have you abandoned me? See, that was the root of their evil. They rebelled against the true God of their fathers. And in that rebellion, they invented a God of their own devising, whom they served by a religion of human tradition, making void the word of God. And again, Matthew fifteen six, For the sake of your tradition, you have made void the word of God. Whoa. And churches better watch the same thing. They better be careful of the same thing. Sadly, their darkness and self-deception, in their darkness and self-deception, they also rejected Jesus, insisting that they worshipped and served the true God. In fact, they, they protested there in John chapter 8, verse 41. We have one Father, even God. Jesus responded to them, If God were your Father, now listen to this, if God were your Father, you would love me. They hated him. Therefore, God was not their father. And this is the sin that Jesus exposed. Whoever hates me, hates my father also. They do not know him who sent me. That is, have a relationship with him. If I had not come and spoken to them, they would not have been guilty of sin. You see, he told them the truth and they didn't want the truth. So Jesus also, also informed them that their true father was actually the devil. Because their will was to do his will. That's John eight forty four. You're of your father the devil and the lust of your father you will do. He was a murderer from the beginning, abode not in the truth. When he speaks a lie, he speaks of his own, for he is a liar and the father of it. Jesus came with the truth. So we read there, because I tell you the truth, that's John eight forty five to 47, because I tell you the truth, you do not believe me. Which one of you convinces me of sin? What, what is he talking about? Have I deserted my father? That's the sin. Which of you convinces me of it? Of a sin. Of that sin. Because I'm telling you the truth. If I tell you the truth, why do you not believe me? Whoever is of God hears the words of God. The reason why you do not hear them is that you are not of God. I was thinking there at Jeremiah's day, the, the Jews, after the Babylonians had overrun the city, there was a group of them that, that came to Jeremiah and said, Jeremiah, listen, uh, we want to know what God wants us to do. Could you help us? You know, could you give us a word from God on this matter? And Jeremiah said, yes, here's the word of God to you. Don't go to Egypt. You go to Egypt, you'll, you'll be doing a bad thing. And what was their response to, to him? We don't care, we're going there anyway. See, that's the problem. They didn't want the truth. The reason you do not hear them is that you are not of God. 
that they were the Jews is also seen in Jesus' reference to their law. Notice that he says there in verse 25. But the word that is written in their law must be fulfilled. Their law. What was their law? The Old Testament Scriptures. And it's seen in the citing of the psalm. It's, it's either 35.19 or 64.4. You, th- you, you make the decision. But the same words appear in both places. They hated me without a cause. What does that mean? It's a legitimate and lawful reason. They, they don't, the reason they hated me is not a good reason. Is really what it's saying. And here's a little aside. This is interesting. This quote assumes they hated me without a cause. Assumes that there is a legitimate hatred. They could have hated Jesus for a legitimate reason. And that would have been okay. The psalmist wrote in... in, uh, you know, there, you hear a lot of preaching these days. God hates sin, but He loves the sinner. That it, That's true, but it's not really true. I mean, it, this is one of those things that uh, you've got to be very careful about. And let me explain that here. The psalmist, for example, in Psalm 5.5, wrote, You, and it's referring to the Lord, hate all evildoers. It didn't say that he hated the sins of the evildoers. It says he hated the evildoers. Or in uh, Malachi verse, chapter 1 verse 3 Love Jacob but Esau have I hated. Jacob and Esau are brothers. I read one, one commentary that it's not Jacob and Esau's persons. It was the, it was their descendants, the the Edomites versus Israel, and that's not what he said. And in fact, he said this to to uh, Rachel when the children were born. Jacob have I loved, Esau have I hated, and then we're we're told in uh, Psalm twenty six verse five, I hate the assembly. Of evildoers. I will not sit with the wicked. And then uh, in Psalm 139, 21, and 22, do I not hate those who hate you, O Lord? And do I not loathe those who rise up against you? I hate them with a complete hatred. I count them my enemies. Whoa. That's scripture. Now here's the point. This hatred is not directed so much against the persons who do wickedly. We do need to love them. But what is it referring to? See, some have said God loves the sinner and hates his sin. But it is that's a bit complicated because the scripture states that God hates all evildoers. What is hate? Hate is a response to what the people are due to their choices. That's the, the, that's the issue. You choose to rebel against God 
and you set yourself to rebel against God, then you will receive the hatred of God. And those who love God are going to hate you too. Because of your choice and your determination to violate His standards. Notice in Proverbs 8, verse 13. The fear of the Lord is to hate evil. Evil is the consequence of choices. It's what happens, what comes out of a wrong choice. The harm, the, the wrong that is done. So some, some have taken Jesus' reference to their law as a rejection of the Old Testament. Jesus is rejecting the Old Testament here. No, he's not. Jesus is, is not rejecting the authority of the Old Testament. In fact, he often cited the very same scriptures to support his own claims. The point here is to show that while the Jews supposedly accepted the Old Testament scriptures, the very scriptures condemned their present position. The very scriptures that they claimed was against them. This brings up two important issues by his use of the verse. First, the Jews hated Jesus showed that they were that the Jews hated Jesus shows that they were doing exactly what their own scriptures predicted that they would. Jesus made it very clear their hatred of him necessarily included their hatred of the one who sent him. Their hatred was rooted in their own history as proved the quote proves if David had suffered this treatment how much more would his greater son? They, the peop, many in the peop, of the people of Israel hated David too. Why? Because David stood for God. And if David had suffered this treatment, so would his greater son, the Lord Jesus. And also their hatred of Jesus was a clear testimony that although they professed God to be their father, their rebellion to God and his will for them as documented in the written prophets. Shows the extent of their own self-deception. They fooled themselves into thinking they were right with God just because they were the seed of Abraham. We're Abraham's seed. If you were Abraham's children, you'd love me. <laughs> Jesus said. See, be careful of self-deception. As noted above, their real father was Satan. Jesus said, you are of your father the devil. Whoa. And their love and loyalty was for the world. So how many in the church are following that pattern today? They profess to love God, but their self-deception and love for the world prove otherwise. And then second of all here... The following verse, number 26, expands on that quote, applying it to Jesus' servants in his absence. The spirit of truth, the spirit of truth, that's the word of God, the truth of God, who proceeds from the Father, 
And that's where he really begins to address this matter of who would take his place when he left. The Spirit of Truth. And it's been, he has been, this, uh, ver- this little passage here, the Spirit of Truth who proceeds from the Father has been mistakenly interpreted as a reference to the Trinity. Uh, we, we believe very strongly that the Holy Spirit is a, t- a third member of the triune God. But this verse is not addressing that. This dr- verse is addressing something else. And it's because of the word proceeds in the Greek language. And I don't, I don't want to go into the details of that. But the word proceeds in the Greek language is not a direction, it's not pointing to the Trinity here. Although the Spirit proceeds from the Father, the Christ's use of the language has another focus. It rather is a reference to the mission, not the person of the Spirit, the mission of the Spirit, which would be parallel to that of the Son. The Son came from the Father. He proceeded from the Father and came into this earth to do the will of God. Now the Holy Spirit, the Spirit of truth, would also proceed from the Father in the same way to come to earth and inhabit the the believers so that they would do the will of the Father. Coming from the Father. The Spirit then would represent the Son in the testimony of believers. Consequently, Jesus would still be hated in those who represented Him. Do you understand this? When Jesus was here personally, they hated Him. Now He's here in the representative of the Spirit. In you. And they hate you. Because of it. That's the point. So in verse 26 here. Is in the future tense. Let me read that. Verse 26 is in the future. But when when the helper comes. Whom I will send to you from the Father. The Spirit of truth who proceeds from the Father. He will bear witness about me. And that's future. But notice verse 27 is in the present tense. And you also, and it says will bear witness, literally, you also are bearing witness because you have been with me from the beginning. That's present tense. So he said, guys, here's the change I'm leaving he's coming right now you're bearing witness to me, but you're going to continue to do so when he comes so the first then witness served as a model for future believers the first witnesses that is the disciples John prepared his readers by explaining that it, in detail that what happened back then would continue. The age-old conflict would remain in the present and future expectation. They persecuted the, the disciples of Jesus. They're going to persecute those who follow the disciples of Jesus. New converts should understand that they will also face persecution so they will not be surprised. This word of Christ should also encourage mature Christians who might be faltering in the heat of opposition. Don't worry. 
It happened to them. It's going to happen to you. It'll happen to those who follow you. <clears throat> the witness of, must always be about Jesus, His words, His works, His sacrifice, His resurrection. That is literally the gospel. So then, that brings us to uh, what Jesus then warned them in uh, Mark chapter 4, verses 27 to 31. Jesus said to them, You will all fall away. Listen to Him. You will all fall away. For it is written, I will strike the shepherd and the sheep will be scattered. That's from the Old, Old Testament. But after I am raised up, I will go before you into Galilee. Peter said to him, Even though they, referring to his companions, all fall away, I will not talk about pride. <laughs> Jesus said to him, Truly, truly, I tell you this very night, before the rooster crows twice, you will deny me three times. But he said emphatically, If I must die with you, I will not deny you. And they then they all chimed in. Oh, no, no, we're not going to do this. But what happened? <laughs> that very night, they all fled. Everyone. Why? They didn't have the Spirit. The Holy Spirit was not in them yet. So Jesus says in Matthew 11, verse 6, Blessed is the one who is not offended in me. All the disciples then would experience a falling away that very night. And only, and here's, a, here's an important truth, only the doctrine of election secures believers against the inevitable. Scattered sheep will be sought out by the shepherd. Yeah, we all have our issue, our times. But if we really belong to Jesus, we'll be brought back. But what of those who truly apostatize? What of those who, who really walk away? And don't seem to be interested anymore and won't come back. We read there in uh, 1 John chapter 2, verse 19. They went out from us. And, and uh, I don't like the, King, uh, the uh, English Standard Version there. Uh, but uses the term but. But is, this is not the Greek word for but. This is the Greek word Allah, which can be translated because or moreover or so forth so i like to use that term they went out from us because they were not of us for if they had been of us they would have continued with us and then again but no not but moreover i think it should be moreover they went out that it might become plain that they were not of us, all of us. But you have been anointed, notice this, you have been anointed by the Holy One, and you have all knowledge. You know the Father, and you know the Son, because of the Holy Spirit that dwells in you. And again, we read there in uh, 1 John 5, 
verse beginning with verse 18 we know that everyone who has been born of god does not keep on sinning but he who has he who uh, was born of god protects him and the evil one does not touch him we know that we are are from god and the whole world lies in the power of the evil one and we know that the Son of God has come and has given us an understanding so that we may know Him who is true and we are in Him who is true in Jesus Christ, His Son, Jesus Christ. He is the true God and eternal life. Little children, keep yourselves from idols. That's how the book of First John closes. So Jesus then explains the nature of the threat there in, in 16 verse 2. The hour is coming. There is an hour coming. There was an hour, this hour, and then there is an hour is coming. All of this is tied to Jesus' hour. The rage of the Jews would put Jesus to death, and it would also drive their vengeance against his own. Just read the first chapters of the book of Acts to see that. This, this first expression would be the Jew uh, would be the Jews, Jewish authorities excommunicating Christians from the synagogues. He says, they, "Indeed, the hour is coming when they, when whoever kills you will think uh, uh, they'll uh, put you out of the. Excuse me, I didn't read that. They will put you out of the synagogues. Indeed, the hour is coming when whoever kills you will think he is offering service to God." That service to God, that's, a, that's an interesting word. It's latreia in the Greek. It's the same word that's used over in Romans 12, 1 and 2. Present your bodies a living sacrifice, wholly acceptable unto God, which is your service of worship. Latreia, service of worship. They will persecute you because they think they are doing God's service of worship. Isn't that interesting? So the counter to this danger is knowing then what to expect. This protects the believer. So 16.3 And they will do these things because they have not known the Father or me. But as I have said these things to you that when their hour comes, you may remember that I told them to you. Why? I have said these things, said all these things to you to keep you from falling away. So Jesus says, I'm telling you now so that when persecution does come, you will remember my words and take courage in them. Their hour and his hour. So let's close it by three simple lessons here for us. First of all, resistance to Christ and his church is natural and expected. I want to tell you, the world today, everything going on in the world today is, is hurting everybody. But the basic and underlying design of everything that's going on in the world today is to destroy Christianity. That's their main goal. Wipe out Christianity. We don't want Christians. 
everything. Inflation, pandemics, I don't care what it is. And it's hurting a lot of people, but it's the, it's the main focus of that is against Christianity. We want to wipe out Christians. Secondly, the natural tendency of every ch child of Adam is to resist and rebel against divine authority, however expressed. Jesus said, I'm Lord. I'm your boss. Live to me. Live for me. Live by me. I'm your boss. Lord, I'm glad you're saving me and I'm glad you're going to take me to heaven when I die one of these days. But I want to live to me. I want to live my life. I just want to make sure that when I die, I'm going to heaven, not hell. Well, if that's your attitude, you better be not surprised when you wake up in hell. Jesus is the boss. And then thirdly, only the election of grace rescues sinners from judgment. I can't do it on my own. I never would be able to do it on my own. But if I belong to him, the election of grace rescues me from judgment. And only the words of Christ ministered in the power of the Spirit will prevent me from falling away. I am no good in myself. I am no good in myself at all. But he is everything. And he promised me, I will never leave you nor forsake you. Isn't that wonderful? Father, thank you for the word. Thank you for the opportunity we had of considering these truths today. I ask God for your grace to help us understand what Jesus was saying. And how it affects us today. And we can take our confidence in it and our strength from it in order to be able to stand strong and take action. And Father, I pray for each one who's here. I pray for those who are not here today for whatever reasons. Lord, for the glory of Jesus Christ, we ask this. Amen.